Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Lapse Factor Podcast. What is up, guys? You are watching episode 130 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. And today we are previewing games that are pl- being played this weekend. We have... Utah and Denver facing off on Saturday, uh, and technically the first game of the college lacrosse season is uh, Bellarmine at Mercer. So we're going to talk about both of those matchups. It's really going to act as kind of a preview for Denver because Denver is loaded because we're also going to talk about the fact that TD Erlen has decided to transfer to Denver, but there's a couple of wrinkles in there that you may not be aware of that make this a little less exciting. Um, than what I originally thought and not quite as good for Denver as we originally thought, but still crazy news. And then I didn't report on it in the last episode because I was technically the first to report on the fact that Syracuse was returning everybody. That whole disciplinary thing um, ended up being resolved. So Syracuse does have their full strength and Rafis is no longer in the transfer portal. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff today leading into the fact we have lacrosse to, uh, to actually watch this weekend for the first time. Uh, before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, uh, share the podcast. If you listen to the audio version, anchor.fm forward slash lax factor is our home base for the podcast. You can actually send us audio messages that we can use on the show. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash lax factor, uh, but we're every where, where podcasts are, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, you name it. And then as always, you can go to laxfactor.com, support us. Beyond that, you can get swag. We have lacrosse t-shirts. We have brandable swag. If you're a Maryland fan right now, the only shirts we have are the Maryland flag shorts, but they are dope, so you can do that as well. Also, I got my new baby. You can Maybe if I bring it in closer, you can see it. I got my new stick strung up by at S-T-N-Y- Wait, uh, I'm going to screw it up now. Is it STNY Strings? Um, Rory here played at BU. He strung up my new baby, so that's awesome too. But anyway, let's. I'm, I'm just rambling like crazy. Let's get into this here now. Uh, some quick hit news before we get into the Utah-Denver matchup that I want to preview for this weekend. TD Erlen, he picks Denver. That's huge news. The Everyone has already talked about it. Everybody already knows about it. I mean, Denver gains the best face-off guy in the history of college across. They've already gotten to enjoy uh, Trevor Baptiste for many, many moons, and now they have TD Erlen that's going to be rocking. The only caveat, and, and honestly, this takes Denver from being you know the fifth-ranked team like they were in the preseason poll to potentially number two um, because you have Jackson Morrill, one of the top five attackmen in the country, if not the second best attackman in the country. Uh, he's teamed up with Ethan Walker on attack, who's one of the best finishers, top three finishers in the country. So you have a top five overall attackman, a top three finisher on attack there. You have Jungle Jack Hanna, who is one of the best midfielders in the country. The dude was playing bonkers. You're going to hear about that here a little bit, but you've got all these dudes that are on this roster now playing together, and then you add TD Erlen to the mix on top of it. Denver is looking insanely good. The only kicker, what Terry Foy reported, is he will not be able, and, and maybe this was as, uh, on the uh, the postgame, it was the uh, the postgame podcast, uh, Nick Ocello and uh, Evan Malloy, that Evan, not Evan Malloy, 
Um, I always mix Malloy up, but it's uh, Malloy and, and Ocello, who um, uh, maybe it is Evan Malloy. There's the other Malloy there that played, I think, Who'd He Play For? Colgate, that I always just mix up their first names. But anyway, Malloy and Ocello's podcast, they're the ones who broke the TD Erlin news that he, was, uh, p- that he picked Denver. They had Erlin on. I hate interviews so much as part of podcasts for the most part, at least as it pertains to sports, that uh, I listen to the post-game podcast up until the interview, and then I turn it off after that. Uh, unless it's Ryder Garnsey that's being interviewed, because you got to listen to Ryder Garnsey when he talks. But anyway, Erlen picks Denver, broke it there. Terry Foy says, though, that, and I don't know if this was on their podcast or not, because I didn't listen to the interview. Uh, I forwarded it to the end where he had said that he had picked Denver. Um, says that he won't be able to join them until the eighth or ninth game uh, of their season. And I think they're only playing a 12 to 14 game schedule. So he's, he'll be coming in and joining them about halfway through, I guess they're saying sometime in March is when he'll be able to, uh, hop on the field and start playing with them. So they do not have TD Erland for their full season. He will not be able to play. And that's, if everything goes well, he will not be able to play most likely until their eighth or ninth contest. So that plays into Denver during the regular season a little bit. They're going to have to make do with whoever their faceoff guy is right now until they get Erland. And actually I don't have him in my notes here, but I think they have a fairly solid face-off guy. Anyway, and then the other quick news, Cuse and all those guys, they're all back. Rafis is not transferring. None of the guys are transferring. Everyone is back. Cuse has their full strength. Everyone can play. So that means, you know, Cuse is right where we thought they were at second or third in the country as they deserve to be. So that's also good news. But let's get into this crap because I don't want to talk about random stuff. I want to talk about the fact we have lacrosse being played this weekend. The very first game is going to be Bellarmine at Mercer. I'm not going to preview that first because, uh, you know, it's just not as exciting of a game as getting to see Denver, uh, the new look Denver with um, Jackson Morrill and Lucas Kotler joining them. So we have Utah playing at Denver. I think that game faces off at one o'clock. And I think if you're going to want to watch it, or if you're going to watch it, you're going to have to watch it through Denver's website. I believe they will be streaming it themselves, although I am not sure. So uh, check check inside Lacrosse's calendar if you want to try to see where that game is going to be broadcast right up. It might not be listed until that morning or Friday night or something like that on the calendar where you can link off to the telecast, but it will be streamed somewhere. I think I'm going to end up having to add to the, the myriad of services that I subscribe to year-round to make sure I can watch lacrosse wherever it's on. So Denver, offensive firepower, right up there with anyone. I would say there is Duke right here, and then right below Duke, there is Denver, Syracuse, UNC, Notre Dame, Maryland. You have those teams all right bunched together in there right below Duke. Um, Leading returning scorer, oddly enough, is Jungle Jack Hanna. 17 goals, 10 assists uh, last year in the shortened season. Dude was on a monster pace, probably playing at that point statistically like the best midfielder in the country, and I'm not convinced that he's not the best midfielder in the country. He is a big timer. It isn't one of those dudes who just puts up points here and there where he can. He puts points up in the biggest, you know, at the biggest level on the biggest stage. Six goals and a helper versus Duke. Four goals and eight ground balls versus North Carolina. Two goals and two assists in their win over Notre Dame, number 10 Notre Dame at the time. Kid is a legit triple threat. He was 16 goals, 18 assists 
in 2019. So for in 2020, went a little more goal heavy, 17 and 10, but the kid can legit, legitimately do everything. He can dodge and draw slides. He can finish the rock and he can feed the rock. The kid is incredible. One of the best midfielders in the country. So if you don't know who Jack Hanna is or AKA jungle Jack Hanna, you need to Look him up. You need to watch him. You need to watch Denver whenever you can because this kid is going to end up being a Twarton candidate throughout this season, I believe, and maybe by his senior year could end up being a Twarton uh, finalist. He's truly one of the best midfielders in the in the league, in the country, probably a top-five midfielder, if not the best midfielder in terms of how he was playing last year. So that's just one guy we've talked about, and, and my accolades are just the accolades are just spilling out of me. The next guy that I love, and I love this guy, I've loved this guy for a couple of seasons, is uh, Ethan fucking Walker. Uh, Sorry, I just have developed this tick where when I say Ethan Walker's name, I can't say it without dropping an F-bomb in the middle of it. Sky's the limit for this kid, too. This kid, Twarton finalist, I believe it was in 2019, had a kind of down 2020 year. But if we rip through his career stats, just so you know that Ethan Walker is the truth as it pertains to finishing the rock. 40 goals and 32 helpers, 72 points as a freshman at Denver in 2017. In 2018 as a sophomore, 48 and 22 for 70 points. In 2019 as a junior, 39 goals, 13 assists. Denver didn't have a QB, a real legit QB that year. Uh, And then last year, 15 and 10 uh, after six games. So he was looking, he was on pace to put, I think, get back to that 70 or so range uh, last year, but he had a down 2019. So maybe it was 2018 that he was a a Twarton candidate and uh, uh, maybe he was never a finalist. I'm making that up, but either way, moral of the story, the kid has scored 72 points as a freshman, 70 points as a sophomore. He put up, you know, 50 plus as a junior and then was on pace to get in the area of 70 as a senior in the shortened season last year. Um, you know, one of the best finishers in the game. I think he's a Culver Military Academy kid, and he just you he's he's not going to necessarily be a dodger and score. He's not a, a what I would call a triple threat. He's a dual threat. The kid can score the rock and he can feed it where called upon, but mostly he can score the rock off ball. He can score the rock off that, you know, kind of two, uh, two dodge where somebody else draws a slide, hits him. He's very Mac O'Keefe like in that way, where he's not going to the rock from a wing and getting in and, and scoring on his own completely. But you give him the rock off of a slide situation where he gets the ball. Now he can two step, three step his man without additional help. He's, he's very deadly in that way as well. So Ethan Walker, one of the best finishers in the country, I'd say there's Mac O'Keefe up here. And then there's Ethan Walker and a couple other guys right below Mac O'Keefe. He's that good. Um, the next guy, the transfer from Yale, Jackson Morrill. This guy was definitely a Twarton finalist uh, one year. I'm thinking it was the 20 to the 2019 season when they lost in the finals to Virginia as a freshman. And if you haven't been paying attention to Jackson Morrill, you have been doing yourself a disservice uh, because he's been one of the best attackmen in the country for years. 2017, 39 points, 20 goals. 19 assists in 2018, their national title year, uh, where he was playing alongside alongside Twarton winner Ben Reeves, 40 goals, 32 helpers for 72 points. He won a natty in that 2018 season. He was seven goals, uh, seven goals in a two goal win over UMass in the quarters, three assists in a three goal win over Loyola. Three goals, five assists in the semis in Albany that year, and then they get to the finals in 2018, and he goes for one assist in the win over Duke in the national championship. Fast forward, 2019, 
45 goals, 46 assists for 96 points. He was a Twarton finalist in 2019, total pimp, lost in the national championship to UVA. Now, as we go through his playoffs, this is starting to tell a story about Jackson Morrill and why I think he's going to be on a freaking rampage in 2021. Uh, they lost the Natty to UVA in, in 2019 after he goes for 96 points. He has three goals and two helpers in the first round against G-Town, four goals and three assists in a win over Penn in the second round, which avenged Yale's loss to Penn in the Ivy League finals earlier that season, three goals, two helpers, and a win over Penn State in the semis, and then we get to the finals. They lose to UVA. What's he put up? one assist. So this dude has put up 72 points in 2018 and then one assist in a national championship win over Duke. He put up 96 points in 2019 and then one assist in the finals in a loss to UVA. He wants to get that monkey off of his back. I didn't know this was an actual stat until I started putting this together and I was like, hey, I wonder what Morrill has done through the playoffs. And as I was looking, I was like, well, shit, this is painting a picture of a dude who is just fucking people up in the playoffs. And then you got to the finals and both final appearances that he's played in, one helper, two assists and two finals. So he's going to want to get that off his back for sure. Uh, 2020. He had 15 points over four games. He was on pace to do really well. Yale was starting to kind of fill out offensively again, so I think he might probably wouldn't have equaled his 96 points from the year before only because he didn't need to. There was a lot of Dodgers on the team, and he could do a lot less work overall and and still have a, a really high output. So moral, though, like I said, top five attackman easily. In my opinion, probably the second or third best attackman in the country uh, behind Sowers. And then you, you throw on top of those three guys that we talked about. You got uh, Silstrop, Sullivan, Simmons, Kotler, all of them very solid players. All of them are going to put up 15, 20 plus points on top of the fact you're going to have Walker, Hannah, and, um, and um, Morrill put up 50 plus each. So offensively, they are literally as good as anyone. They will fill it up this year. Now, defensively, super young. I couldn't believe how young they were. They're young, unproven, but they have a lot of talent, a lot of big-name talent at that. Uh, Danny Logan, short stick, D-mid, a goal and three assists, 15 ground balls, 17 caused turnovers, no turnovers in 2019. Dude was a monster. And uh, five goals, three assists, and 50-plus ground balls off the wing on faceoffs. Um Actually, I'm mixing this up here. Oh, okay. Last year in the shortened season, one goal, three helpers, 15 ground balls, seven cost turnovers, and no turnovers. That was the shortened 2020 season. In 2019, he was the monster. Five goals, three helpers, 50-plus ground balls off the wings and face-offs, 16 cost turnovers, a legit All-American candidate with a short stick coming off the wing. One of the best short stick D-mids in the game. Uh, so Danny Logan on defense, that's he's going to be their biggest bright spot and a defensive leader for them. Uh, a bit shaky in cage. Jack Thompson gets a start. I don't know. Um, he played the most minutes last year and was not great, and they kind of had a carousel of goalkeepers last year. I believe they split time often in cage. Uh, Jack... Denedetto, Dibonetto, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name, and I don't feel bad, so don't chirp me. Uh, sophomore defender, six ground balls, five cross turnovers, and started every game last year. A.J. Mercurio, LSM, sophomore last year, uh, a goal, seven ground balls, and four cross turnovers. Malik Sparrow, another LSM, a goal, six ground balls, seven cross turnovers. Lots of potential in that kid, too. Um, 
Adam Hangland, another sophomore, nine ground balls, four, four cross. They have a lot of really young guys, freshmen and sophomores. Maybe some of them are technically juniors now, but they have a lot of really young guys on the defensive side, and I don't think it matters. I think that defensively, in terms of just having tyranny as your coach, you're going to overachieve a little bit, even with your personnel, in terms of the overall scheme and the game plan. And then offensively, they're just going to outscore people, especially once they get TD and they start winning those possession battles more consistently. You're going to go from a team that's super dangerous to a team that is, you know, potentially not going to let the other team get the ball at all once Erlin actually does arrive and gets there. So Denver is going to be a serious problem for everybody. But more importantly, this Saturday, they're going to be a serious problem for Utah. So what is Denver facing in Utah? And I was actually surprised with all the excitement that surrounds this program and the the addition of this program. As we go through who they've lost, leading scorer, Colin Burke, gone. I think he played in the MLL last year. Second leading scorer, Jimmy Perkins, gone. Transferred back to Robert Morris. He left Robert Morris and went to Utah, played two seasons at Utah. Now he's back at Robert Morris. He tore it up when he was at Robert Morris as a freshman and then had a decent season uh, at Utah last year or the year before. Um, Josh Stout, one of my favorite club guys, turned D1, gone. James Sexton, gone. Matt And I was like, hey, this Matt Costin guy, they got him back at least, right? Because he was a freshman. Nope. He's gone too. He transferred to Penn State. They have literally lost their top five leading scorers, I believe, from last year's team, which means offensively, I have no freaking idea what they have and what to what we're going to expect to see and who's their leading scorer going to be. I have no idea. And uh, defensively, it isn't much better. It isn't much better. Starting in, The starting goalie, Liam Donnelly, gone. He wasn't that great anyway. Backup, Zion DeShazerier, however the hell you pronounce that. He's back, but he wasn't great in cage either. Will he get the nod? I have no idea. The moral of my story here is that it is not looking good for Utah. May, you know Who knows? They could end up playing okay throughout the season. Uh, I'm just saying for Saturday, it does not look good for Utah. I think Denver is absolutely going to crush them. So I'm saying... Um, if I was to set odds for this game, which I'm doing right now, I have Denver as a nine goal favorite Denver at minus nine on this. And if I were to take this bet, I would take, uh, I would take Denver, uh, at minus nine. I think Denver's going to beat them by nine goals or more. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking at nine and a half, uh, uh, point spread here. So Denver at minus nine is my official spread. I'll put that up in a graphic on, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but I, I would take I would take Denver uh, covering the spread. I think they're going to beat them by ten goals or more. And that's not a Denver doesn't normally run the score up on people. I think that legitimately Denver is just that good, and Utah is going to be have a, just that hard of a time. Utah may shore it up. I'm not saying that they're going to be a bad team. Um, they're just going to have to figure out who the hell they are offensively because right now they don't know. We don't know. I bet you their coaches barely know. So that's a rough one. Uh, we segue into the Mercer and Bellerman game. Now Mercer is looking nice. They were five and one last year, I believe, in that shortened season. Uh, they have Sean Goldsmith's 30, 34 goals and eight assists back. Michael Quinn went 12 and 12. He's back. Will McCarthy, Cole's brother from another mother. That's just a bad joke. Uh, his 12 goals and 10 helpers are back. Defensively, Colin Kelly, he could be back between the pipes. He hung at 48.6 last year, but in as a starting goalie, he was five and one. So that's solid for him. Uh, Wesley Chairs, very good young defender that started all six games last year. Danny Walsh also started all six games. He's back. Garrett LeClaire, back. 
So all in all, Mercer, they have a nice squad. They went 5-1 and one in 2020. They got almost everyone back, so there is absolutely no reason to believe that they won't see some success in the beginning of 2021. And then we go to Bellarmine. And Bellarmine, on the other hand, I mean, they're not, they didn't bring as many guys back, but they're still okay, but they just weren't as quality of a squad as Mercer was last year. So if we're to assume both of these teams are coming in at about status quo compared to last year, then we've, we've kind of Mercer has the nod. We've got Landon Trout for Bellarmine, their leading scorer. He's back. He went 13 and 10 last year. Luke Leg- Legnard, Legnard, whatever the hell his name is, man. I'm really bad at pronouncing names, and I will. I promise you I will try to be better in 2021. Short of calling, I'm going to just phonetically try to sound these out before I get on the show uh, and do it. I'm not going to put the time into trying to call the athletic department and try to get their pronunciation right, uh, probably because a lot of times the secretaries or whoever answers the phone won't know either. Uh, his 13 and 6 are back, though, Luke. Um, they lose Morgan Macko. Uh, but ended up retaining overall the bulk of their offensive talent came uh, talent has come back defensively. John Robbins, an excellent LSM from a year ago. He played in all eight games, 12 cost turnovers. Harrison Pete, solid short stick D mid as a rookie. He played in every game, eight cost turnovers. Keepers, they split time. Neither are great. JC Higginbottom is back and Ian Riley's back. Actually, Riley had the better save percentage, even though I think Higginbottom started. Riley was... Uh, 57% and Higginbottom was like in the 40s somewhere, but they, they appeared to split time through the bulk of the season here. So Bellarmine, they, they're not going to be terrible. They're just not as good as Mercer, I don't think. So in this one also, I'm going to set the line at this one if I had to uh, with, uh, I'm going to say Mercer at minus six. And I would end up taking in this one, actually, let's call it 6.5. I'm changing it. Six and a half. We're going to say Mercer is the favorite, uh, minus six and a half. And in this, I would take Mercer um, for the win. I bet you they beat him by seven goals or more, but I think that's pretty fair. I, I, honestly, it could get more out of hand than that, but I do not think Bellarmine, Bellarmine covers even at, at, uh, as a six and a half point underdog. So I'd take Mercer on that at uh, six and a half. And that's it, man. I just can't believe it. We have lacrosse coming up. One of the other one of the other things to think about here with the Denver situation is does TD come in and and actually end up hanging below 70% for the first time in a long time uh, or, or like, you know, below that 68% range because that makes him look human. If TD goes for 67 to 69%, now he looks human. But the reality is all of these other face-off guys are going to have game action for a full month before TD gets on the field. And I'm wondering how that's going to play into his overall effectiveness. Maybe it doesn't touch it at all. Who knows? But I, I just can't say enough how excited I am. We're going to have more games next week. Also, the first really big game of the year is Duke and Denver facing off. I believe that's next weekend. So that's going to be big. Uh, another quick hit little news uh, tidbit is Syracuse is playing Utah for the first time. So that's uh, that should be a pretty easy win for the orange. But uh, like I said, we, we knew that Syracuse was going to play Albany. We knew they were playing army. And then we knew they were going to play all four of their conference opponents at six conference games, plus those two non-conference games. So that gave us eight games that we knew who they were playing against. Now we add Utah to the mix at the dome. So now we have Utah 
It's the ninth game, so there's just three games so far that are unaccounted for, but we'll let you know as soon as Syracuse announces the schedule or as other teams announce their schedules and Cuse ends up being on it, we'll announce that. But that was an odd one. I would suspect that Utah's probably coming out and playing like St. Bonnie's or something like that, and it made sense that, hey, we're here. You've never played us before. You probably want to pick up an easy win. Uh, why don't you play us at the Dome while we're already in New York and traveling? I presume it went something like that because a lot of teams – if they didn't do it, and we'll see, some of these teams that didn't water down their schedules a little bit where they're playing their conference foes that are equal, equally matched to them, I'm wondering how many of those teams will end up getting left off the play, out of the playoffs because they end up at or around five, below or around 500. So I liked actually seeing Syracuse pick that game up because shit, even as the number two or three team in the country, it would not be totally out of the realm of possibility to go three and three in your conference, still be a legitimate number five team in the country at three and three in your conference. And you're going to need those non-conference wins uh, to stack up a little bit to just improve your, your standings in the playoffs. So that was also something worth talking about. And uh, that's it. Uh, short show today because uh, I got to get back to work and uh, there's only two games to preview here. We will be back Saturday morning for our pre game live stream plan on that kicking off right around 10 a.m on Saturday we'll do about a 30 minute live stream leading into the games on Saturday so hit us up here on YouTube we will live stream from YouTube at 10 a.m on Saturday talking about those games again as we lead into them probably fielding some questions doing some Q&A and crap like that and then be back for Sunday show recapping Saturday's action as always thank you for listening thank you for watching you can go to laxfactor.com Get yourself some swag. You can listen to us anywhere where you listen to podcasts. You can uh, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that other crap. I screwed the sequence of my order up. I'm super pleased with my new baby. So thank you to Rory at STNY Strings. Uh, hit him up on Instagram. I think the dude's got like 15,000, 20,000 followers on Instagram. So uh, that's awesome too. But as always, thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. 